everybody and welcome back to the ATI podcast. Barrett here to get things started off on this episode, episode 42. We're happy to have you all back with us. Today we have a special guest on our show, a professional wrestler by the name of Stringbean. Stringbean's shoot name or real name is Ben and we're going to get into a conversation with Ben on how his pro wrestling fandom started, what got him started into training as a wrestler, various promotions that he's worked over the years and we also get into what he's currently doing as well as current inspirations for him and what product that Stringbean is watching present day. We talk about the upcoming match that Stringbean has against LVK. LVK currently retains the light heavyweight championship from SNPW. Stringbean was the former holder of the light heavyweight championship for SNPW and he had lost the title back in August and was suspended. So now he's coming back for his vengeance and to get what's rightfully his with the assistance of his manager, Dr. Egon Casanova, whom we had on the show previously, as you may recall, Derek Hankins. And stick around, also look into the show details, and we will have some of the entertaining videos, vignettes, and matches of string being and Dr. Egon Casanova that are out there for you guys to check out. Will you all please welcome with me, String Bean. everybody and welcome back to the ATI podcast. Barrett here with you, Josh co-host and our very special guest Ben aka Stringbean. How are you doing today Ben? Oh not too bad. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Doing good man. Doing good. Thanks for joining the show and uh, we've been looking forward to having you on especially after we spoke with your manager Dr. Egon Casanova, Derek Hankins previously. Oh yeah, thanks for having me on. Let's kind of get started in talking about really what your fandom is and cuz that's really, you know, everybody's dreams and aspirations they kind of start there, especially if they're going to be pursuing a wrestling career and uh, let's just talk about how you came to know what professional wrestling was, you know, some of the, your first fandom and that sort of stuff what you were watching, who you were following, that sort of thing. So I really uh I never got into wrestling until I think it was around 2008. Derek actually got me into it himself. 
he had gotten a Shawn Michaels DVD for Christmas and we were at my grandma's house and he's like, well, I want to watch it. And I'm like, and I really don't know what this is, but sure, we'll go with it. And he fell asleep halfway through and I just kept putting in the DVDs and I fell in love with it instantly. (laughs) I mean, it was just, that's awesome. From there on, I was buying the DVDs myself. I was watching every single Monday night. And I think at the time, like ECW had came back, you know, the newer ECW and I'd watch that on, I think it was Tuesday nights. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just, I just loved it. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's about the time that what you mentioned that they relaunched ECW, which would later, I guess, crash and burn and become NXT or what we know of NXT that is. But I think at that time they were airing on sci-fi, which was kind of a strange channel to be airing on, but that's a lot of people might be familiar with that time period because that's when CM Punk got introduced to the WWE fans was through ECW itself, the WWE's version of ECW, that is. Not not your mom and pop's ECW from back in the 90s, but an earnest attempt somewhat, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't like to ECW party, baby. Right, for sure. It's fascinating that Shawn Michaels is the DVD that kind of drew you in because, you know, that's one of the first matches that I recall ever seeing is Shawn Michaels against Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10, the iconic ladder match over the Intercontinental title. And that today is still yet one of my, probably my top three favorite matches without question. But Shawn Michaels is a legendary worker and and one of the best to ever do it. I still love to watch him work. I just watched a YouTube video the other day. He's been working with Jake Paul. And dude, that was some of the most entertaining 10 minutes that I've actually watched in a lot. Yeah, Logan Paul. Or Logan Paul, not Jake Paul. My bad, I got to mix up. Not the not the boxer. Right. Yeah, the other yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's been holding his own, too, in WWE, actually, surprisingly enough. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Him and uh, Pat McAfee or two that I'm actually, like, really surprised have turned out doing well and actually uh, actually proving themselves. I love Pat McAfee, man. Oh, yeah, he's, he's great. great. Yeah, he spices up everything he's involved with. You know, I, I had noticed earlier in Pat's career, whenever he was a punter for the Colts, of course, all-pro punter, I remember, like, he like infamously he got drunk and like missed the game and like he was missing he like got drunk and passed out next to like to the river or something like that but like a few games after that when he came back he uh did the razor ramon chest bump <laughs> after he kicked like a monstrous pump i'm like this guy is a fucking wrestling fan clearly and it's funny enough you know he started getting involved with nxt and and that stuff and the pre-shows with wwe but yeah he's he's somebody that's taken to it very well also and obviously smackdown commentating he's got a little bit of a break right now with college football but pat's a pat that's a really cool guy. Very entertaining. So Ben, what's some of the other people that drew you into wrestling? You know, you talked about Shawn Michaels initially, kind of who, who were you watching whenever you were tuning in, whether it was for Monday nights or the ECW show, like who were the guys that you were really drawn to? I liked Kane a lot as uh, Zach Ryder, whenever he was breaking in, he was always really fun to watch. Of course, John Cena, William Regal. I really, I really enjoyed his work, he, especially working in ECW, like helping out the new guys. I think he had a stable at the time and it was like him Ezekiel Jackson and I can oh, I cannot remember the other person that was with him but just seeing him work and kind of uh I guess get back to like getting back into the ring it it, it was enjoyable and William Regal of course another legendary worker for sure oh, yeah. that's that's a guy to definitely take notes on oh yeah Triple H at the time I mean that was him and Sean getting back together cuz I think what if that was 2006 they got back and then like 2008 I don't know. They've came back and forth like 15 times together. So, but every single time it's always, it's always worth it. Yeah. I think it was a, I can't remember what show it was on. I want to say it was the survivor series. Might've been 2008 or 2009. It was triple H Shawn Michaels, 
uh, the Hardy brothers and CM Punk were a team. Yep. That was actually kind of a strange team in many respects to be together. But they, I mean, they were way over with the crowd and everything. And, and that was kind of one of the first, I guess, kind of signals that the torch was starting to be passed off to CM Punk. And he was starting to get some, you know, a, a movement under him and uh, started to get big pushes in WWE specifically. But but yeah, like Triple H is obviously one of the best to ever do it as far as, you know, between the between the bells. I mean, not that he's a, you know, a slum on a promo either, but. And he was in Blade. Yeah, Blade Trinity, man. <laughs> Iconic role. <laughs> He's holy then, you know. Yeah, no doubt. So at what point, Ben, did you get interested in thinking like, I could do this, I want to do this? Where did, where did that light switch flip for you? Probably, I'd say my junior year of high school, it just kind of hit me that at some point after, like once I turned to 18, I was going to start looking for a place to go. And I had reached out whenever I was, oh gosh, probably 17. There was a wrestling school actually, I think like two blocks from my parents' house, but it actually ended up closing and I never got an Mm. email back. So it wasn't until I think college, I left John A. Logan and was working the summer at my uncle's furniture store and a guy that had worked there previously had asked me if I ever wanted to be a wrestler because he was a wrestler himself. And he ended up oh. inviting me up there to IWAU and Alney. And that's kind of where I got my start. Hell yeah. Whenever you say you got your start, you know, like what, what did that look like? Were you actually just going to classes or were they just kind of showing you stuff before the matches, in between matches, post matches? Like what did that look like? The way that IWAU is going at the time, Alney is two hours. I think it's, I think it's right on two hours, maybe two hours and five minutes from my house. And it was... I want to say four to five days a week. So it was, I think Wednesday they had a free show and then on Friday they had a paid show. So the other three nights it was training. So Monday and Tuesday was training and Thursday was training. But then the other two shows I had to work security and the other two people that I had in class with me, they were refs. But I did that for a year and a half and it was, I mean, it it takes a toll. Like, on your just sure. your vehicle and your life at the same time because I was working 5 a.m. in the morning till 5 p.m. going home taking a shower and then immediately going up to training and that was I mean like I said a two-hour drive so yeah not getting out of training till 10 30 almost 11 coming home sleeping for three hours and then going right back to work yeah it seems like if you really go into it man you got to be all into it you know, it seems like it's, oh, yeah. it's a grind for sure. And, you know, it's that you hear kind of the weekend warrior type chatter being bantied about sometimes when it comes to wrestling in particular, because, you know, that's a lot of starting up in the independence. Those are your opportunities, especially when you got to work, you know, such as a person in your case. But you hear that story a lot with a lot of various wrestlers, even people that were in Ring of Honor. You know, a little bit something with a little bit more notoriety and was on television. A lot of wrestlers were still had day jobs. Ian Riccoboni, for example, announcer for Ring of Honor, he's got like a day job. Like, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's hard to believe, but yeah, wrestling doesn't always pay the bills, too, especially on your way up. You know, it's it's really hard to make money. And I know that there's a lot of facets that go into wrestling outside of just what you guys do between the bells. You know, so there's. I say you got to have, but I guess you don't necessarily, especially early on. But what I find fascinating about you, Ben, is you've already got a character. You got a gimmick. And, you know, it's it's unique. And that's something that's definitely at least going to get eyeballs on you initially. Just kind of tell me how you came to this character, String Bean, and, and what the early imaginations of that is and 
how the characters evolved over time. I never wanted to be under a mask. That was never, ever part of what I wanted to do in professional wrestling. After I'd left Alney, after I'd left IWAU, I'd gotten myself a ring. I just bought a house. I had a pole barn. I put the ring here in the pole barn, and then one of the trainees from IWAU who had graduated years prior to whenever I was there, he actually took over my training here at my own house. And when we went to SMPW, where I'm currently at, they were going to allow me to start wrestling there. So instead of me going out there just being myself or whatever gimmick I decided to choose, he said, well, why don't you get a mask, go out there for a couple shows so that you can get, you know, your footing, make sure that, you know, everything's crisp and that's how you, you don't want to go out there and look a fool and then people remember you as being that shitty guy. Have that associated. Yeah. So I went on, I think it was Mask Manic. I was looking at just all these different masks and I came across, it was like a pumpkin mask. And I'm like, oh, that'd be funny. My uncles call me String Bean. And they joke with me because, you know, I'm I'm 245, 50 pounds and six foot five. Like I'm nowhere near String Bean. Like nowhere right. near. So they always made like fun of me because I wanted to wrestle. Right. And I'm like, well, shit, I'll come out and I'll be String Bean. And it just, you know, Tony was like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, like I went out and made a shirt, put it, put this like string bean cartoonized string bean on the front of it. Had the black tights, like green socks that came up almost to my knees, and uh, yeah, I just I went out for a battle royal, and it just kind of stuck. I'd came out and I'd stroke my stock and walk down, and by the end of it, after a couple battle royals, I had a bunch of kids waiting there doing the same hand gestures, and their parents just staring. And it was the best <laughs> moment ever. Um, that's hilarious. The best moment. That's so cool. Man, that's fantastic. It just, from there, it kind of progressed. Like, I went from literally just doing battle royals to I ended up tag teaming with one of our other buddies who trained here at my house. And we became Dragon in the Beanstalk. He was a uh, dragon luchador gimmick. And then he ended up moving away to Florida. And then it was time for my singles career. Started doing singles. I mean, it. I'd be the guy they'd put in like a six-man tag or a random tag match. Mm-hmm. Or every now and then it'd be kind of just, I, I did whatever I was needed to do at SMPW. And then eventually, now, like I got a hold of my cousin Derek. And I think this was a year and a half ago. I was like, hey, like let's, I want to turn heel. They didn't let me turn heel whenever it was me and Dragon. When I come back, like, let's let's do this. Like, after COVID's done, like, I want to come back as a heel. If I can convince Sam to let me do it, like, let's do it. And he said, okay. So now it's went from being this guy who is comedic wrestler. Now it's a little bit more serious. And I still do comedy, but it's... Sure. I'm finally getting to branch out and actually do something that I've wanted to do for a while. I noticed like with some of your vignettes and stuff that you guys have online, you know, you kind of do almost the uh, Frankenstein's monster type treat- treatment where Dr. Egon Casanova, Derek is you know, obviously your manager or whatever the case is, but you're his greatest creation. So, <laughs> yep. and I've noticed a little funny, uh, you know, shtick here and there. Like, for example, I think it's like a, or at least it looks like a little uh, Heineken keg, like a mini keg. You've got like your secret serum, you know, that you're toting around and stuff like that. And just, just very, Various 
videos that you guys have done to kind of spice up and cut promos and, and that sort of thing. Are you guys just doing this because you know you need to do it to get your name out there, to get some familiarity, to, to build out the character? Or is this something that you're contributing toward the SNPW folks? They're sharing it on their social media. Tell me a little bit more about that. The keg, I was doing the keg probably three, I'd say probably three years ago. I just wanted to, uh, I wanted, I wanted to come out with like Miracle Grow. And gotcha. inside I'd had a Heineken keg from a party, like at my buddy's house, like five years prior, I, I took the keg with me and I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to duct tape around it. And it's going to be like what they did on space jam. Like the guys had to get, <laughs> they had to get back in the game. So they had to make that, that secret juice. So that's, I pretty much just did the same thing that they did. And I would come out and I would drink it and I'd spin around and then I'd blow it out of my mouth. And that was kind of like the power up. But then whenever, you know, Egon came into the equation, then we transitioned into a weed sprayer. So then in the weed sprayer, it's hyped up Miracle Grow with whatever crazy elixir that he's put in it. And then it powers me up, but it blinds and hurts any of my opponents. Gotcha. Because they're not the god of the garden. It only works for the god of the garden. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, you know, we try to promote it and we try to tell people because then the more that the, the fans can catch on that, oh, this is what powers him up, they can be like, no, 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 he can't get that. I we, we had a couple come to the show with an actual thing of weed killer to spray <laughs> me down with as I came out. And we used that the entire time. We would never get near it. And anytime we did, like, I think... I think it was LVK, the guy that I'm in a feud with right now. He actually grabs it and chases me around the ring with it. And I just, I mean, I'm booking it freaking out. And that's <laughs> that's what I love about it is the the fans are so diehard there that they're wanting to get involved. And not in a bad way. Like, they're not trying to tase you and stuff. Because I've seen that. I've seen that at a show. Sure. But yeah. they actually care. And on their social media platforms, they make it very known that they do not like Derek and I at all. Period. Are you guys still under a suspension? I, I know you guys recently were served one, right? We were served one in, I believe it was, I think August. Uh, yeah, August. No, it, this this next show in, I think it's next Saturday. We will be there, and we will be, we will be back for my title, my light heavyweight championship. Back to claim the throne. Yep. And I didn't care at the last show. I decided that when LVK became victorious that I was going to make myself known and I unrooted my boot straight into his shoulder so that he can never hold my championship up. There you go, man. Straighten his ass out. Show him who's boss. That's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the promotion based out of physically? Where do they run shows at? Uh, Crossville, Illinois. Crossville, Illinois. Yeah. Okay. I'm not familiar with it. What, what's it close to? It's. I think it's roughly probably like an hour from Evansville maybe. Maybe a little less. Okay. From Evansville, Indiana. So a little bit, little bit there on the uh, the eastern side of Illinois. Yeah. Derek had mentioned that you guys were primarily operating out of that rig, and uh, I asked him whenever he was on the show what the possibility or interest is of you guys spreading out to other promotions. Is that something that you guys are still mulling over or considering? I know, you know, depending on the state, obviously you got to go through some red tape. Sometimes you have to have a license or uh, updated medical records, you know, physical on record, that sort of stuff. Uh, Have you guys explored wrestling in other places? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've wrestled in Texas myself. That was um, four, I think four or five years ago. I wrestled in San Antonio on top of a bar. Oh, wow. Tennessee. I've got 
places in Tennessee that we can go work. Indiana's got a couple shows, um, Envision, and then the Berkelow shows that they run. But I think that's that's like four times a year, and I think both the guys are hurt right now, so they've not really been doing much. But I know Derek and I have talked about St. Louis. We'd really like to get up there. We've got a lot of buddies that run there, and that would be a really fun scene to get into. Yeah, but uh, I'll go wherever. I mean, my my goal is I would love to work for Hood Slam out in California. Okay, like absolutely, like that's it's a fun. It seems like a fun company. Like they've got the Stoner Brothers, they've got Drugs Bunny. It's just it's over the top gimmicks. It's kind of like it's got that Chikara feel, and that's a place I always wanted to work before they got shut down and stuff. So, so Chikara for anybody that's listening, uh, if you don't know what that promotion is or was, uh, a lot of wrestlers that you actually see on TV today either were from it or worked in it for some period of time. So, you know, Brody Lee, he worked in it back in the day. I believe Cesaro worked in it. Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. Bryce Rinsberg, one of the referees for AEW, was in Jakara. I think Quackenbush was like one of the main dudes there too. Yeah, I believe so. I know I'm forgetting some people, but those are some of the more prominent names that you might be familiar with if you guys watch the product. Anybody that's watching or listening right now today, there are some people out there that uh, Claudio Castagnoli, which is Cesaro, he's uh, in AEW now, but you know that's a person, again, that's kind of graced across that promotion back in the day. Now, present day, with some of the wrestling opportunities that you're getting, I did see, and we kind of helped share whenever you guys had this show in Tennessee, but it was like a beach party of some sort. Was that, was that in Memphis? Yeah. <laughs> How did that go? Yeah, it was. So that's a very interesting uh so the day before we go down, the promoter sends out a text, not even, okay, not a text. He sends out a messenger to me and is like, hey man, so a pipe burst in the pool and we just don't have, we don't have a pool now. So I, I just don't think that we're going to be able to do anything. And I'm like, okay, well, you've still not even sent me the address to this place. So... Like, are you still going to try to have it without the pool or what's going on? And he was sketchy, like absolutely sketchy. So I'm getting a hold of anybody on the flyer that I recognized. A couple of those guys actually gave me the actual address. So Derek and I, we said, screw it. Like, we've already bought a hotel for it. We're still going to go down. So we go down and nothing. Like, guys ghosting us. So three of the other people that I knew, they were like, hey. We're having a show, so no matter what, you'll still get paid, and you've got a place that you can come have a show at. So we actually went, we performed for them, it was a fun time, we got paid, we got paid pretty damn well, a lot more than what we were going to get from that other guy. And that other guy actually called one of the guys at the party and was asking him, I guess, what was kind of going on, and he just blew up and put the guy on blast, and then the guy was yelling at me and telling me that he never booked me and i'm like i'm on your poster you don't put people on your poster if you're gonna sit there and then tell them that they're not booked like yeah no no, like the whole the whole party was a sham it it wasn't real like come to find out i think it was i think he was just trying to make money and then use Mm. the 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 pipes burst to like not reimburse people's money and stuff i don't know i won't go back to that place like that's that's just not something I'm going to do again. I don't blame you on that that's one. Some shitty, that's some shitty stuff. No, and the first time I went down there, I had an absolute blast. I had an absolute blast the first time I went down. And 
yeah, I, w- I won't do that again. So we ended up wrestling in Mississippi for the first time. So, and we had a good time. Well, I, that's not too far of a drive. It depended on where you went in Mississippi as well. So this is the show that you picked up on. Yeah. I think it was just like 50 minutes, 50 yeah, or it, it could have been right 30. Up. It was 30 to 50 minutes, like South of Memphis. So it wasn't bad. I mean, it was like, I think we had an hour drive back to our hotel. So yeah, you can't beat that for sure. No, it wasn't bad at all. I'm sorry to hear that that show in particular didn't work out, but it sounds like it worked out for the better for you in the long run. Anyways, you got paid more and you got another place that you can uh, go to in the future for sure. Oh yeah. And that's another thing that folks are going to encounter. If this is something that you're aspiring and you're going to go work indie shows, that sort of stuff, make sure you try and do your homework as best you can. I know that even, in Ben's case here, he had a previous good experience. And then, you know, the second time they kind of stiffed him here and we're being sketchy, but that, yeah, just because you have one good experience too, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to pan out for the next time that you come in to contact with these promoters and stuff like that. But yeah, you just, the, the best you can do is just try and network around and make sure that, you know, people aren't going to screw you. Cause you know, it takes a little bit more than a hot dog and a handshake to get paid these days, you know? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Especially gas prices, everything else, you know, you have to pay for a hotel, especially if you're traveling that far, you know? So I know there's a lot of good places up in St. Louis, you know, Josh and I have good enough fortune to be connected with Joey O'Farrell who runs the Grandel wrestling up there in St. Louis. And he works a lot with like glory and team ambition up there in St. Louis, which is a uh, Davy Richards school. A lot of good wrestlers coming out of that school. We saw a lot ourselves. A lot of great talent. Yeah. Moses, the, uh, the deliver he, we sponsored his match against uh Dak Draper that they had. So Moses is a really good guy. He ended up uh, on the uh, SmackDown show in St. Louis. He was one of the people that Braun Strowman plowed over. Oh, really? Okay. That's fun. Yeah. Actually, most of those people were team invasion people that were on there. Huh. Okay. But Moses is really good. Uh, he, he wrestles in St. Louis all the time across various promotions. And I'm always seeing him doing stuff. Yeah, there's what? I think four? At least four that are up in that area that I know of, at least. As far as schools, I'm not real sure, but as far as promotions, yeah, there's there's several different yeah. ones. Uh, Joey Joey was naming off several different ones that I wasn't even familiar with, but I know like one promotion that kind of comes through St. Louis pretty routinely is like Dynamo Pro. Yeah, and they usually uh, they have something worked out with Forehands where they do the matches either at they were doing them out. I think they at one point did them outside of Forehands. Yeah, I think so. But I know that they started doing them like at the Athletic Club too. So I'm not real sure if there's like a consistent place that they're doing them, but they they're usually pretty luchador heavy matches that they have at least half the card is which you know in and of itself is its own style so that leads me to my next question for you ben is is there a particular style that you try to focus in on with your wrestling when it comes to the technical aspects of it um you know you being a bigger guy six five you know that's even big compared to a lot of other like if you were to walk into aew you'd be one of the biggest people there specifically you know six five is a pretty good height to be at in, in the business so uh i'm sure i would assume that you're leaning toward power moves talk to us about kind of what your your technique is that you try to as far as honing your craft and what you do between the bells um yeah i mean it's it's a lot of stuff that i've taken from kane umaga was one of the big ones i used especially for being a heel of string bean that was more like i do the uh Simone spike which i call the green thumb I've done the running power slam before I've been starting to use like, I guess kind of like a jumping, like bonsai drop, but it's off the like second rope in the middle of the ring. Yeah. I'd say it's more of like a power power moves more than anything else. Like I'm not like super technical or anything like that, but I mean, that's just kind of the way 
I was, I guess, more of the way I was trained with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, wrestling needs those people that 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 kind of take on the power move sets, if you will. You know, I, I I don't know if there's a certain styles that you feel like, even whenever you're having matches, that you pair well with. I would assume, you know, probably lighter lighter opponents that want to do a lot of the flip flop and fly. You know, maybe uh, luchadors and those types of folks probably enjoy having you for a base in a wrestling match. Is there particular styles that you feel like you gel with pretty well in the ring? I'd work Joey O'Reilly, and he kind of does a lot of those flips and stuff. And we had a, a really good match. Like, he he posts very well. He um, he knows exactly what he's doing, and it just it it worked out really well. We did a, a wheelbarrow face buster, and, I mean, it was it was flawless. Up and then straight down. And it, it it looked beautiful, and it's it's stuff like that that makes makes the match go a lot a lot smoother, and I guess can kind of get the crowd more invested because you don't want something extremely sloppy. No, you don't. And I've been in the positions where it doesn't look the best, and then you feel like shit after, <laughs> and you don't want that. It just when it, whenever you're having a good match and things are going your way, I'm sure that you could probably speak to this, but I'm sure that kind of some of that adrenaline dump that you get in that positivity, it helps you work through, Oh yeah, you know, some of the pains that you might feel, for example, you know, so a lot of people, you know, the big offense that I think any wrestler takes and any wrestling fan for that matter is the word fake. While things might be scripted and, and outcomes predetermined, it doesn't make you landing on that mat feel any better. <laughs> No, no, it doesn't. They're still athletes, man. You know, I know I've seen, you know, studies, like some of the impacts that you see in wrestling is like getting hit by a a car at like 45 miles an hour in some cases. Oh, yeah. You know, there's some serious toll that your body takes in certain situations. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's like micro fractures or I can't I can't think of what exactly it is, but I know it's like something they they heal overnight or something like that but it's still enough to where it's like a 30 mile per hour car wreck every single time you get slammed by the, it's either every time you get slammed or it's by the end of a match that's pretty much what it equate like owns up to and another thing that people don't realize too is i guess over time i wouldn't know from experience so this is just me asking and i being a fan i've heard this a lot you kind of condition yourself your body conditions itself once you're wrestling a thing that looks as basic as like running the ropes you almost have to kind of build up a callus for that for that not to hurt over time is that right oh yeah i mean the ropes a lot of people get rope burn whenever they hit the ropes continuously and that's uh yeah especially like so i was out for a year with an injury and when i got back in the ring like hitting the ropes the first couple days being back in there i mean it, i mean it sucked especially because once once you've done it so much like right there that ridge of your back line i mean it's it's just i mean you're used to it but after not being in the ring for so long once you go back in and hit, I mean, it just, it sucks. And your body just has to go back to a memory. So that's like some of the first things you learn, right? It's like learning how to take a fall properly and yeah. ropes and stuff like that. I guess it could probably to condition yourself. Like you're saying, I would assume. Yeah. Up there at uh, IWAU, the first thing like Josh taught was footwork and then it was rolls. And then after that, it went straight into back bumps, side bumps, um, front bumps, butt bumps. And then I think it was after you graduated from that class part of it, then you got to do like suplex, arm drags, and then progressed from up. I mean, progressed from there. So now at the wrestling school that you went to, did they focus any on promo work or anything like that? No, I never got. I went through, I think it was like the green shirt phase, and then it was up to the red. And then by that time, we had went from the Knights of Columbus building 
and we left there and then went to a new building that they had just bought. And I kind of, I got my own ring here at my house. And then that's whenever Tony took over and Tony just started back from basics and then went from there. So I never okay. really went through the whole promo process and stuff that you see nowadays that right. I know, uh, Pritchard's school down there in uh, Knoxville, they're very like heavily focused on that. And that's, I mean, that's a good thing. Like I, I really wanted to go to that school and I had the money and I had the time to where I could have done it. And I chose getting a different job over doing that. And that's probably one of the biggest things I've ever regretted within professional wrestling. The school you're talking about is the, uh, the one that Glenn Jacobs is co-owner of with Tom Pritchard, right? Yeah. I know that at Davy school back to team ambition, I know that they do a lot of, uh, they have a specific agenda for promo class in and of itself too. I had a buddy who got an invite cause he's a uh, one, he's up at the, one of the BJJ schools, 10th planet affiliation. And, um, I can't remember what, what caused the crossover where he, I guess, came into knowing somebody that was involved with the school there. And he said, you know, it's the Davey would probably really like you because you're a BJJ guy. You're more into technical wrestlers. And he asked him like who the wrestlers he followed when he grew up. And uh, Josh, I'm talking about Jason Skiles, of course. Right. I figured that's who you're talking about. So he had mentioned that he followed, he was a very big fan of William Regal and some more technical wrestlers and Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson as well. And, and he was like, oh, well, Davey will like you a lot since you're a BJJ guy and you're into technical wrestlers. And, and he had shared with me the agenda that they had for their classes and everything. And they had a very similar format to the one that you talked about where they have like classes. I know like three, the three days a week of classes are kind of formatted where, you know, uh, you got your basics, you know, so like it depending on where you're at, of course, with your training, you know, taking front bumps and back bumps and side bumps, you know, the stuff that you pretty much start out with everywhere and then progress along. And then they have a specific like segmented promo class that they have as well, where they dedicate time to that. And I've always found it kind of fascinating. I don't know if you ever watched, especially like when NXT kind of started, it was trying to be kind of a reality show back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But they would even show some behind the scenes stuff too, especially when the network launched, they had so much footage and stuff that they had recorded showing some of those promo classes. I remember when Dusty died, for example, Dusty Rhodes, and they showed some old photos and, and videos and stuff of him and his promo class. He had his own promo class down there in NXT. So the promo aspect of it, of course, is a very important thing. I know that you didn't necessarily have promo classes, Ben, but what I see you guys doing in these vignettes is kind of self-promotion 101. And, and that at the end of the day, that's the goal. You need to be able to promote yourself, promote your brand and, and what you've got going on. So I think that you guys' videos are pretty entertaining, quite frankly, even if you're not a pro wrestling fan. Absolutely. And we're definitely going to be sharing some of those so our audience gets a taste of what you guys are doing. Sweet. Thank you. So what's kind of the the goal here? I know earlier you mentioned the promotion out west in California, right? Yeah. That you'd like to work for eventually? Yeah, Hood Slam. Do you have other aspirations? Oh, absolutely. I think everybody's main goal when they first start up is you want to go to the WWE. I mean, that's the big one. That's, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the big payday, but right. over time, like if I, if I could make it on AEW for a dark match, I would be happy. And if I don't, I'd be happy. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really phase me. Like I just, I want to know at the end of the day that when I finally hang up my boots that I've made, I've made people love professional wrestling. And that's, that's what, honestly, it's all about to me. Like it's, I, I want the kids to go home, go home happy or mad. 
either way. I used to, I used to always want them feel something. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's what you want. It's, you have to get the crowd involved. You want them to feel some type of way by the end of the night. You want them to go home and slam their brother down as hard as yeah. <laughs> I, I want them to feel exactly how I felt, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I first got into it. And that's like, I didn't even know indie wrestling existed back then until like Derek took me and we saw the WOW, which was out in, uh, I think it was Farmington or Park Hills. They had a show. And it's funny because guys that were on that show, I've shared locker rooms with them now. So I think it's, it's, it's crazy how the times, the times like just combine later on in life. And you're like, Oh my God, like I saw you, you know, 10, 12 years ago, whenever I was like 16, 17 years old, <laughs> but no, if I had, a, if I had an end goal, like being on AEW one time, I'd be happy. I'd be happy. If I ever, by the, by the grace of God, I ever made it to WWE. Well, shit, I guess we've done it. I, and that's all it takes. Sometimes it's just the opportunity, your foot in the door. And at the end of the day, honestly, you're always a success as long as you're trying to capitalize on whatever opportunities that you're given. Oh yeah. The the worst thing you can do whenever you're aspiring for a dream. And I could speak for this from a musical standpoint, you know, you could probably speak to this Ben as far as where you're at so far in your wrestling career. And that is, you know, you're not going to get opportunities if you say no. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to go out on the limb and, and like what you talked about and depicted earlier, you know, working those 12 hour days or so, and then going to wrestling class, like, you know, to chase your dreams, sometimes there's some sacrifices that have to be had and you do have to go out on a limb and you got to do things that, you know, sometimes don't seem like they'll pay off. You never know who's watching, especially in something like this. You know, I know that there's people that go out and scout talent sometimes too, especially right now as things have opened back up and COVID started not to be as much of a concern and, and we've kind of gotten back to our ways of life that there's a lot of companies trying to build themselves back up with talent rosters and that sort of stuff. You know, like you see it a lot with WWE, they're bringing back a lot of old, old faces that they let go pre right before the pandemic, right during the pandemic, you know, things like that. And some of it might be a PR move, but also at the same time, you know, it takes a, a lot of cogs in the machine to run these things. People don't realize. And, so, but there's other, a lot of other places out there to work. You know, there's NWA, ran and owned by Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. There's Impact Wrestling, formerly TNA. And this, so, and then there's New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. Uh, now, of course, that's mainly in Japan. However, uh, yeah. I would. <laughs> Wasn't there, there was a New Japan wrestler at Grand Elf, Yeah, Rocky right? Romero. Another guy from New Japan? Yep, Rocky Romero. So Rocky's kind of uh, more the American side of New Japan but he works with the head booker Gato over in Japan. New Japan's another thing. I know that they're always scouting, Rocky in particular is always scouting talent to take over there on the American side of things, and Rocky's often on AEW. AEW has their dark matches and their opportunities. I just want to get back into just a little bit, if you've got the time to talk about it, but oh, yeah. you know, you and Derek fleshing out the stream being character and the Dr. Egon Casanova dynamic, if you will. Is there any future plans with with the team that you guys, any strategies you guys got laying in waste that you can reveal to us? Oh, I mean, we've always got stuff up our sleeves. Currently in my uh, my garden out back, I have more of my exploding, my exploding sticks that I like to carry to the ring and also happily break over people's backs multiple times throughout a match without getting caught, without getting caught. That's the key. You know, Dr. Egon Casanova has so many elixirs that... uh. You never know what he might have up his sleeve that he might slip me at any point throughout that match. 
you know, I thought it was kind of interesting earlier. You made the uh, Space Jam reference yeah. <laughs> in the character. And uh, I, I would have never made that correlation, but it makes all the sense in the world now. Actually, originally, what I kind of thought was uh, a Bang character almost. Like, you know, with the vent, oh, yeah. Bang gets injected, and that's how he kind of hulks up and stuff to, uh, quote unquote, fight and, and ev- eventually break Batman's back, if you will. Like the old school DC uh, green tank where in <laughs> We had the idea that whenever whenever I turned heel, that's what we originally wanted to do. I wanted to come out and have the clamps on my arms, on my shoulder, and then have like a tank on my back. And we were going to try to figure out a way to like have it light up to where it looked like that bright neon green. Now, we're not saying that may never happen, but that is something that we have thought about before. And I'm like, if we could pull it off, that would just look sick. And there's, we've got other ideas up our sleeve with stuff. like If you guys could get like a backpack sprayer and just like bust a bunch of green glow sticks and toss it in there, maybe throw it up with some water, (laughs) that'd probably get the desired effect. (laughs) It probably would. Be one of those hand pump ones. Yep. Well, that's what we've got. That's what we use right now, so... So do you guys got any upcoming shows coming up that you can talk about? Yeah. Let's talk about it. In, I think it's the 19th, so it should be next Saturday. We will be in Crossville, Illinois, and that is where I will go and face LVK. And I'm going to try to get my title back. Oh, no, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say try. So is, is this a title match? I think so. Yeah, it needs to be because I'm ready to beat him again and get my title back because I was wrongfully stripped, right? Yeah. We'll just say stripped. We'll say stripped because it's bullshit that I didn't keep my title. Like he cheated. He had his hand on the title. He acted like he was going to hit me. And then he, he threw me the title. Like, why would you throw me the title? And then he just, he rolled me up out of nowhere. Like I kicked out, I kicked out with that ref. That ref had to been dirty. And then the commissioner came out and he just, he got in my way. He got in my way of what I was going to do and suspended us. So I'm out for revenge. I'm going to get what is rightfully mine, and I'm not going to stop until I get it. This is the investigative journalist inside of me that's squeaking out right now, so i got to hammer down and ask how a 6'5", 250-pound man ends up the light heavyweight champion. Seems like you should be in this the heavyweight or super heavyweight. You just you take what you can get. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll just when, when life hands you lemons, you become the S and PW light heavyweight champion. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Attaboy. So what are the chances that we get to see you and Dr. Egon in a tag match in the future? I see that happening in the future. I know that we have talked about, um, you know, the father and son aspect, you know, going out and being a tag team. You know, maybe we'd be called like weird science or something. Come out to Bango Tango. Ooh, I, like that. I like it too. I see it happening. I see a tag team match happening in the future. Correct me if I'm wrong. The suspension that you're coming back from, is this because you interacted with a, an official? In an inappropriate manner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I say inappropriate, I'm not saying that you like, you know, raped him or anything, but. No, God. No. <laughs> Get your mind out of there. Did you find that commissioner, man? No, no. I, uh, I used one of my exploding uh, sticks and took took it out on LVK. Um, the commissioner came out and decided to get in my face and I grabbed the hold of him and started yelling back at him and I let my temper get the best of me and he uh, suspended me for two shows. So for putting your hands on an official, you got suspended two shows. Yep. Any any fines? Oh yeah, I was. I have no money right now. 
None. Um, Egon might, but I, I've drank myself. Good Lord. Completely, completely. With my miracle grow, I just keep drinking and drinking. <laughs> no money in my bank account. I understand. Hey, man, it takes a lot of fuel to run that engine. For sure. No, it does. It does. <laughs> we're really excited about getting your stuff out there for our audience to see a little bit more so. So we're going to be sharing some of the promotional videos that you guys done, the vignettes. And I know you guys have some matches up online as well we'll be sharing. And then hopefully we can get some people come out to your guys' show. It'd be a good time. The promotion seems pretty solid from the videos that I've seen. Seems like you guys have got some good talent there to work with as well. And, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, I feel the need to say that, though, because, you know, people hear independent wrestling and not the best conclusions or assumptions are made sometimes, especially if people oh, yeah, have had bad experiences in the past. You know, I can only speak to the ones that I've been to, but I know, for example, like Grandel that we were just at was a, you know, five-star independent promotion. Everything was ran extremely professional, but it also looks like you guys are getting kind of that same treatment. Yeah, no, it's SMPW. It, it's definitely better than what it used to be. It used to be pretty wild back, probably back whenever I started going there, probably six years ago. Some of the guys that worked there, very outlawish. They really didn't care what really happened and they they just did they did what they wanted to and it was it 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 hurt us in a way because we were uh, not allowed to go to a couple different like places like i think it was like carmi and some other towns and thankfully now that uh they've uh they've been weeded out pun intended smpw is yeah no <laughs> smpw's finally started to go in the direction that it's it's needing to. And whenever you say outlawish, I just want to, anybody of our fans that's not real familiar with that lingo, you're probably alluding to the fact that they were doing very careless and reckless things, such as perhaps getting a little too violent or aggressive in matches, uh, perhaps interacting with the audience in a way that they shouldn't have, you know, just those sorts of things, uh, creating a, a ruckus in, in the neighborhood yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. it is, it is a bad thing that, runs with some wrestling sometimes if anybody's not real familiar with like what independent promotions are out there now you know something i could draw a lot of people to that there is plenty of footage out there kind of alluding to some of the things that we're talking about i'm not saying that they're shitty places but you know stuff that happens like at a czw show or gcw there's a lot of like light tubes and just like real crazy stuff you know you see the thumbtacks sometimes but even on like major television they're starting to move away from that you know, I, and there's a bunch of other examples, sheets and panes of glass. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that we could throw out there, barbed wire, da, 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 da. So those types of things sometimes are brought out to add a layer of entertainment. And it's fine if there's a story to go with that. At least this is, you know, a wrestling fan's opinion. And it's, it's worked into a match and not gratuitously overdone, you know, so like there's a story to it, for example. You know, like if there's a big blow off, like you're having some huge feud with somebody, so you know, yeah, a lifetime feud, like a long feud with someone. So like after a significant amount of time, you might build to something like that, like a no disqualification or whatever the case is. But to have that like right out the gate, a cold match, an independent match like this, especially with these guys get paid, the insurances that the promoters can carry, just there's just a lot of just silly stuff sometimes people do just to get, I hate to even say 15 minutes of fame, but you know, I guess viral for 50. I don't really know what people's. Yeah. Just to get a pop. Yeah. Just to get a cheap pop. Really? Quite frankly, these guys are putting their bodies on the line. So I would, I would highly encourage a lot of people while that might be entertaining for a one-off type thing. This is, this is not the way like wrestling should go. You know, there's, there's an art form to it and it more of it's about what we've talked about with Ben today. And that's engaging the crowd, drawing the crowd in, you know, engaging the fans, 
make people enjoy professional wrestling. So like what Ben's doing, he's got a character here, string bean that we're talking about today. And, you know, that's something you can sink your teeth into, especially even on a promotional level like this, you know, they're doing the cool stuff. Yeah. They're doing cool stuff online, doing little fun videos and that sort of stuff, working angles in the promotion. So this is the type of stuff that we encourage folks to check out. Now I do have, I do have a funny, um, thumbtack story since you did mention stuff like that let's hear it before you go so this is probably 2000 probably 2017 um i'm in a tag match it's a steel cage and it was me and dice patterson versus barney and mario at the time now not you know barney the dinosaur and wahoo little mario no this is two other guys so before the match, I told him, I said, let's do, I want to do a thumbtack spot, but it's not going to be thumbtacks. I'm going to have the bag. I'm going to make the illusion that I have it, but it's going to be mixed vegetables. <laughs> it's going to be lettuce. There you go. Like with the whole, with the whole gimmick, you know, God of the garden. Like, why would I use that? The stuff in my garden can hurt you. So we have it in the ring and we've got both the guys down. Dice yells, who wants thumbtacks? Crowd goes nuts. So I yell, who wants thumbtacks? So then he goes, who wants some fucking thumbtacks? So I hold the bag up and I just pour it out. I pour it out everywhere. We set the guy up in the corner and we give him a big superplex onto the, th- you know, the thumbtacks. So he's selling it. There's lettuce on his back. And I guess the word got, to the locker room that we use thumbtacks and no one had approved that. So one of the guys in the back, Chris Mack, I love the guy, big black guy. He was pissed. He was pissed because his match was next and you don't really want to work after thumbtacks because some of them can still be out there. And then you you kind of get the, right. The shaft with it match gets done. We go in the back and he is in my face yelling yelling and I'm just standing there laughing my ass off and I hold out my hand and I said man let us be friends and he's like what and I said let us be friends and the locker room's dying and he is I guess he he broke eight steel chairs in the back locker room just busting them up against the ground wow. because he was so pissed and when he finally realizes that I use lettuce he could not stop dying laughing. Oh my God. And that is the only time that I've like, no, I can't say that I've used mixed vegetables in a hardcore match. A few that I had last year with DD jinx. I did break those out again and I gave a TKO onto it. So yeah, let us be friends. Let us be friends. Let us be friends. Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. When it comes to the thumbtacks, man, I don't, I don't envy any of you guys that ever do take spots on, on the thumbtacks. I can't say that that sounds too appealing to me. I think I'll, I think no, I'll pass no. on that one. Hell no! <laughs> I don't even think I can get slammed down on the on the ring. So I I couldn't do any of that shit. shit I just walk across the floor, step on one of my son's logos, and I'm screaming like a little bitch. So. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I know, saying that. I can't say I've done Legos or anything, but I've done. Uh, I like see, and that's that's the thing. I if if I'm gonna do a gimmick match, if I'm gonna do hardcore, I want to incorporate stuff that actually goes with my gimmick. So I'll tie. I did a spot where I did a um, a clothesline, a pull-in clothesline. So I put a garden hose, I wrapped it around the guy, and I pulled him in and gave him a big clothesline, like a ripcord clothesline with a garden hose. 
So, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. Like my, my whole gimmick is, is character driven. And that's what I try to focus on more is over the top. I'm, I'm a, I'm a vegetable. Like nobody else is out there being a vegetable. So I've got to do what I've got to do. You gotta, you gotta own your shit, man. Oh yeah. Because everybody out there, it's like, you either want to be the cool guy. You want to be the bad guy. Or it's just you want to be some some sexy dude or whatever, and it that's that's what it is, and it's you have to be original, <laughs> like that's 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 what it comes down to. Is there's so many imposters? Be original, try to be as much as possible. Absolutely, that's one of the things you can control is what you what you put out there. So you know, again, it's it's just adding to the character, adding to the presentation, and the more that you're giving people to chew on. You know, the more that people are going to come back, the more that people are going to pay attention to you and, and so on and so forth. So I, I really do think that it's, it's a pretty funny gimmick that you guys got going on. Entertaining. Definitely worth checking out. I can't encourage people enough to check it out. Uh, before we get you off of here, one last question for you. What do you, what are you liking today? What promotion are you following the most? Who are your favorite wrestlers? I try to watch AEW as much as possible just because, you know, it's it's such a different take on it i guess it's just it's new it's newer guys guys that are in you know coming out of the independence um the acclaimed i mean everybody loves the acclaimed so scissor me daddy those two are probably my favorites oh yeah <laughs> those two are probably my like my favorite guys right now it's just it's just because they they live their gimmick with it i mean they literally i mean they they own it and it's <laughs> i mean it works and then you've got daddy ass and everything else like i mean it's and then of course like i'll still watch wbe but i don't watch I don't watch a whole lot. I mean, it's not what it was for me five, six, seven years ago. Sure. I listen to a lot of the podcasts and stuff like that. And I try to, I try to find some of the snippets and I'll do watch wrestling and try to pick up on some of the pay-per-views and stuff. But just out of curiosity, what podcasts are you listening to? Uh, Jericho's. I started listening to you guys, obviously. You, I listen to a lot of like supernatural podcasts. So Josh, Josh is a fan of supernatural stuff. What are you listening to? Love it. Um, Haunted AF. They're pretty funny. I think it's like Dogman Encounters. He's pretty good. The Dogman. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that shit. Anything paranormal, supernatural, aliens, all that. That's my 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 big passion is uh, I'm a true crime. Oh, yeah. Hen- hence why we have a true crime sub-series on our own podcast where we do the, you know, the yeah. cults, killers, <laughs> and conspiracy stuff, so. Yeah, man. Uh, I enjoy AEW myself. Uh, I'm always for the little engine in many respects, but uh, I I will say WWE is starting to turn it back around. I feel like now that Triple H is in charge, in particular, you can start. Oh, thankfully. Yeah, you can start to see his fingerprints on things more and more, and I think it's just going to progressively get better. You know, some of the best stuff going on right now, in my opinion, is anything bloodline related and everything. They just got stories inside of stories and Sami Zayn's. About to take off, be the biggest wrestler in the entire business, I think. I'm looking forward to that. Like, he's finally going to get what he deserves, and, oh, it's going to be so nice. <laughs> I know, like, some people shit on it, but, like, I thought his match with Johnny Knoxville was pretty entertaining at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't normally like that type of stuff because it's just, you know, silly Gaga type shit, but he made it entertaining himself. The shit leading up to that was so great, too. I, th- I thought it was well planned out. Like, I I, I enjoyed it. Like, I was like, oh, man, like, how's this going to go? And then it actually, it was entertaining. That's what it, it's sports entertainment. It's not just wrestling. If I if it's wrestling, then that's, I think, of, like, high school wrestling, collegiate wrestling. But, like, this is sports entertainment. And that's what we do. 
Like we're there to entertain everybody else. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, you got to always keep that in the focus. And I think you'll do big things, Ben, if you, if you just keep kind of sticking to what you guys are doing right now and, and uh, just taking every opportunity you guys got. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a walking, talking vegetable. What can go wrong? Yeah, literally. The worst thing that could happen is I turn into an actual vegetable and we don't want that. I, th- I think we need Michelle Obama to run for president and she needs to get back on her health plan and she's going to hi- hire you as the health czar. <laughs> so they're going to take all the snack food vending out of schools. You're going to be going around to schools, giving inspirational speeches. You're feeding all the students. Throw that garden. Hey, as long as I get paid, I don't care what I do. <laughs> hey, man, it's a government job. So it's, as long as we got lobbyists and everything else, I think you're, you got it made, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can retire in 20 years and be done. Oh, probably quicker than that. Some of these sons of bitches have one term and they're rich for the rest of their lives. <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, Ben, thank you for your time today. We're going to be promoting your stuff. We're definitely going to get some people, get some more eyes on your guys' product. Hopefully, we can throw you at least a few new fans. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's kind of part of the the reason of the show and why we have guests on is we try to promote people that are from the area or have some kind of connection to the area, whether that's, you know, anywhere from here to down to Cape and all the way up to St. Louis. We've got a lot of friends that are doing a lot of cool things out there, and we want to get a spotlight on them and let people know that, like, hey, it doesn't matter where you're from. Uh, if you got dreams, let's chase them and let's let's get the word out. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on here. Yes, sir. We appreciate the time and uh, we look forward to catching you sometime. Good luck on your match, man. Hope you get that title back. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> get that light heavyweight title back, brother. Let's bring it home. Stop until I get it. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports, Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We will be spotlighting folks in their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, or anywhere you enjoy your podcasts. Just search ATI podcast we would like to thank you for your continued support and as always please stay safe out there thank you all for sticking around after the break thank you to string bean this week's guest we appreciate string bean your time and talking about the things that you got going on check out string bean at his upcoming show on the 19th of november in crossville illinois where he does go up against LVK to get back his light heavyweight championship at SNPW. That date again is November 19th in Crossville, Illinois. So if you're feeling adventurous, not too far from Evansville, Indiana, we'll talk about what we have going on next week. Next week is episode 43. Episode 43 is going to have a very cool guest for us, and that is Ian Fisher. Ian Fisher is a filmmaker and a video pop artist ian has his own website that details his work and his talents as well as his imdb listing and various projects that he's worked on over the years 
What drew me to Ian, I actually found him on Instagram in some of his video pop edits for trailers that he's done, custom trailers of iconic movies over the years, TV shows even. And we've actually shared it on our Instagram on several times, teasing the fact that he would be a future guest of the show. So I'm really looking forward to having him on. He's actually done some documentaries as well, so and he's got some work coming out that we're going to talk to him about. And so I feel like that Ian Fisher is going to be a very valuable and entertaining guest for us here on the ATI podcast. Again, bringing that variety for you. So look forward to having episode 43. Be sure to follow us, the ATI podcast on Facebook. Joining our Facebook community group, the ATI podcast community. This is where we stay connected with former guests of the show future guests of the show as well as fans of the show and have an interactive community and stay in touch with our former guests and artists about the work that they have coming up and coming out and uh, so just look forward to having further engagement from our fans there in conversations and of course we have instagram and twitter as well most of our business is done and handled on instagram so you can follow the ati podcast there as well if you don't follow us we of course are on spotify stitcher Apple Music, Amazon Music, you name it, we're on it nowadays. And we're catching up our YouTube with our back catalog, and our YouTube will have all of our new episodes as well. On our YouTube, you're going to be able to find our in-person video chats, our essentially backed-up live streams that we've been broadcasting over Twitch. And of course, follow our Twitch channel. The ATI Podcast can be found on Twitch. It is twitch.tv backslash ATI podcast. And this is where you can catch the live streams on Thursday evenings whenever we're actually conducting our interviews with our guests. For this week, I am Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. And we are out of time. Good night and good luck. Stay safe out there. Hey, this is Josh from ATI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ATI Podcast 22, on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.